So you want to be a dungeon master? That's great. We're here to help. I'm Taylor. And I'm Justin. This week, we're going to talk about sort of the basics of what D&D is, and then maybe get to know us a little bit. Yeah, so, um, you know, we've been playing D&D for a while now, so I don't know. I feel like we've kind of been, you've been DMing a, a campaign for me for a while, and there's yeah, been... Yeah, it's, it's getting close to three years. Yeah, and it's, like, there's, like, that Dungeon Master player kind of rapport that I feel like, you know, we don't, we, we, when we, when we get together, we play D and D and then that's pretty much, you know, what we've been doing. Like, but I don't know a whole lot about like your backstory on how did you even become a DM because you're awesome DM. We've been running a real ca- uh, good campaign for a while now. Aww, I and, that. uh, yeah. Yeah. No, same. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting, so I guess we'll get into it when we do our intros. But yeah, I mean, I met you through this campaign that yeah. I'm running, that I've been running for, it's really close to three years now. Um, and I know we've done other things, one shots, smaller campaigns. I've played in one of your sort of a really interesting player versus player moment when everybody, <laughs> I, I was getting vibes that everyone hated me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I min max too hard, too close to the yeah. sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Much like Icarus. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was dangerous. I burned <laughs> my my wax wings melted, and I fell closer and closer to victory. Um, but yeah, I guess let's just get into like what our experience is with D and D, and then we can talk a little bit more about like what D and D is. Okay. Do you want to roll off? Absolutely. I want to roll off. All right. Yeah. Because this is like a... <laughs> See who goes first. Wait. So before we roll, okay. high number goes first or low number goes first? <laughs> high number chooses. Okay. Deal. All right. Oh, that's a 19, baby. Oh, dang. I got an 18. <laughs> oh, all right. I felt um, so good. Yeah, I guess I'll, 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 I'll start. All right. Um... Yeah, because I, like I said, I've been a player for a while, but I do I did uh, DM. I have done a long extended campaign myself. Um, but, I mean, if we want to get into, like, where it all started. <laughs> um, Your origin story. The, yeah, the, 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 the Taylor origin story of how, how I became a DM. I had... Number one, grow up growing up in a very strictly Christian home. So my first first experience of Dungeons and Dragons was being told that it's the devil, that that's how the devil gets you. <laughs> oh boy! Um, yeah. So the I grew up. Panic. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Real. It was real. I mean, dude, I wasn't allowed to have Pokemon cards because it was they had they evolved, and that was too uh. much. Right. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, man, this is a real thing. Um, So, um, so that was really my first experience with, uh, with, with D and D, but like, as happens when one grows up in such a hyper Christian home, eventually I moved out. 
<laughs> um, and boy, howdy, was that an open, uh, eye-opening experience um, for a lot of reasons. But one of them was um, I started hanging out at this nerdy frat house. Like I was friends with one of the dudes who was in the fraternity. Yeah. And it was like, it was a, it was a band fraternity and it was just as a bunch of nerds. And one thing led to another and I wound up DMing or not DMing at first, but, uh, it was 3.5 edition. This was, uh, I don't Mm -hmm. even know, set the way back to like 2009. So it's 3.5, which was a really fun edition, and it, and there's a lot of things. like That was a lot of also my players' first interactions with um, D&D. Yeah. So some of the home so like some of the homebrew rules that I use are basically, hey, I thought it was like this. And I was like, well, it can be. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, so I just, you know, you just keep track of it, of certain things like that. Um so we would get together once like once a week for a while like we did a couple of months but like we were a bunch of drunk college kids so like none of us really knew this was also most of us just had like the books for D&D so like I had the monster manual and the player's handbook and the all of that stuff and you know we would just kind of run through and like, Oh, those look cool. Those look cool. And just kind of string together. Like basically our campaign was at the beginning of the session, you grab a port key, the port key transports you into a dungeon and then you run through and you fight monsters and solve puzzles. And then at the end of it, you touch another port key and it takes you to a different dungeon. And like, we would kind of like rotate DM ship. Okay. Um, so it was not, it was not necessarily like a campaign, but like a series of one shots. Right. Um, which I didn't really know the distinction back then that I do now, but like, and it was, it was fun. That was really honestly my first shot at DMing. And then it kind of got to a point where I was, I, I all, all was always the DM. Mm-hmm. Um, Story of my life. I get this. And then, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then kind of life happened and we all fell apart as far as like a, you know, player group and then i didn't really pick it back up until strahd which i think is actually our first oh you're absolutely right it is um absolutely is yeah batavian and walden yeah Mm -hmm. so (laughs) um a couple of our mutual friends had started a campaign um a curse of strahd campaign which is a um Wizards of the Coast uh, adventure pack, basically. Like, they made it for 5th edition. Um, I hadn't really messed with 5th edition too much, but I had been listening to a bunch of uh, D&D podcasts um, at the time. So, like, that, because I was a mechanic, and so I walk in, I put my earbuds in, and listen to D&D all day. Like, because it's really good content to just kind of mass consume especially when you get in on a thing um not critical role surprisingly i don't know i think critical role was just so daunting because there's so much mm-hmm. like i liked being able to catch up and i like i liked i really like the storytelling aspect of dungeons and dragons so i wanted to be able to ha- be like to be able to catch up and then 
listen to it and just have a, a group of them that I would listen to every week, basically. Right. Um, but then our friend uh, Megan uh, basically posted something on Facebook like, hey, we need a person for D&D. And I was like, hey, I like D&D. <laughs> And, um, then, yeah, so we joined this Strahd campaign, but I, Batavian was my first, uh, my first delve into like real fifth edition player creation. And I made a, a broken ass monk. He was, he's a six foot two Aarakocra named Batavian Manchesterfield. Uh, just because I really liked the, the, the punniness of being able to just put Batman in my name. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, uh-huh. and I played, I played him, I played him a lot like, uh, the Lego movie, Batman, just really quirky, silly off the wall. It's, he's a lot, he's a lot of fun to play. Um, but also he was this broken ass monk. And every week I would figure out more ways to break him. Uh, number one, the, I broke it real quick with, making him an aarakocra that goose was not ready for that yeah i know but flight at low levels can be daunting (laughs) bro (laughs) bro um so i um so yeah we we did that for a little bit um and then after playing i would say probably three or four months um i decided i i i learned enough and I was gonna, gonna strap on my big old DM bootstraps and go do it. Um, and I made a campaign that was super, super broken. And like, I, I had a lot of experience at that point. I'd soaked up about everything D and D that I could get my hands on, like a sponge. And um, basically made a campaign that was like a homebrew campaign, which is a rookie mistake. Um, (laughs) And so, and so basically I was trying, it was based off of a book series and I was trying to work the magic system of this book series into fifth edition via flavor and all Mm -hmm. this, that, and the third. And mechanically I didn't realize that I was breaking stuff until we hit about level eight. Yeah. And then I realized, uh oh, I done goofed. <laughs> I done goofed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because then it just kind of, I given them so much <laughs> weird magic items yeah. that number one, it's a, so difficult to keep track of homebrew stuff oh, for yeah. uh, magic items mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and balancing all of that stuff, and then also trying to fit in this grand arching storyline that I was trying to fit in. That was way more than I should have been doing at the time. And I don't know. It just, it, it, it was a really, really great learning experience. And, you know, the group of people that I was with were still friends. We're still hanging out. They're always asking when I'm going to DM another session. And, uh, I think the day's coming soon. Very good. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean that's 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 me in a nutshell. Okay. Wow. 
Yeah, that was interesting. That's a lot. I know. Yeah, when you originally were like, yeah, so then I started this campaign and it was broken. I wrote that down and I was like, ask about why is the, the campaign broken as opposed to a character. But then you kind of got into it. <laughs> All the homebrew. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive yeah, and we could- appetite for this like insane plot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, at the time, I was watching a bunch of, like, uh, I was listening to NADPOD. Oh, yeah. And uh, Brian Murphy is a fantastic dungeon master. And then I was also watching all, like, the Dimension. I think Dimension 20 had, like, just started with Fantasy High. Mm -hmm. And um, I was eating that up. Again, another fantastic dungeon master. And then there was one more that used to be called drunks and dragons it's now called greetings adventurers Mm. um but that is another really good uh they've done i think they're on campaign four or something now they've been around for a while but yeah and so like they're all these crazy good the thing is that they know the mechanics really well yeah you know and that's something you really have to do if you're going to be homebrewing stuff Mm -hmm. really have to know what it is exactly that you're breaking and how to kind of counteract it and balance it back out a hundred percent yeah it really comes down to a lot of understanding how far the limits can and should be pushed right <laughs> when it comes to a lot of homebrewing stuff and trust me folks we'll get into that in a different episode we'll get into all the nitty gritties of homebrewing and oh yeah what even homebrewing is <laughs> oh yeah uh which is basically just making something that isn't explicitly in the rules or like changing a rule, for example. Right. That's a, uh, that's a big thing is like homebrew and house rules house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So for me, so I feel like I had always heard of D and D like, I'm trying to remember this like legitimate first time I actually had heard the phrase dungeons and dragons. And I think I just remember thinking like, this is even nerdy for me. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if I could. I think I lumped it up with LARPing. And I was just like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I could dress like a wizard and pretend to be a wizard and all this stuff. And I don't know. And then um, <laughs> and then I was listening to the audiobook of Ready Player One by read by Will Wheaton um, <laughs> or narrated by Will Wheaton. It's written by Ernest Klein. And there's a whole section. It's if you've seen the movie, listen, the movie's fun. You got to read the book. It's so different. It'll feel like a totally different story. Um, but the first challenge has a lot to do with D&D. And I just thought it was amazing the way he's like the narrator is talking about it and being like, it's kind of like the original video game. And you had your stats. And instead of like a random number generator, you rolled dice and this and that. And I was like. That sounds amazing. I'm so into this. And then I was also watching Stranger Things. Okay. And obviously the boys play Dungeons and Dragons and they base all of their knowledge of the evil around like mind flayers and zombies and everything is based on their understanding. The Demogorgon, it's all based on their understanding of D&D creatures and lore. And so it took those two (laughs) IPs for me to be like, Maybe I should look this up. <laughs> and I started doing a little bit of research and then I stumble across not specifically critical role, but I stumble across Matt Mercer. Uh-huh. 
and he's doing uh, different D&D videos on YouTube with, uh, he does one with Vin Diesel and Laura Bailey and Travis Willingham were guest stars on it. And I didn't really know who they were at that time. And then he did a little short series with a bunch of famous actors like Joe Manganiello and Deborah Ann Wall and a couple of other people, one of the Sprouse twins. (laughs) And I was just like, this is amazing. Like, this is so cool. This guy's doing, I don't know who this long haired guy is, but he's doing all kinds of crazy voices and characters. And the story is so compelling. And I feel like I'm on the edge of my seat watching them play pretend and roll (laughs) dice to determine the outcomes. I was like, this is amazing. And then I was, so then I'm I'm like, I got to do this. I got to play this game. I got to figure out what's what. So I buy like the starter set and it's just like this thin booklet. That's the, Something something mine of Findelver or something. I can't even remember. It had a set of dice and pre-generated characters. And I was like, honestly, lame. I don't want to do that. I want to either write my own story or I want to be a player. I want to play with people. Can't get any of my friends into it. So I turned to Roll20, a.k.a. I Googled how can I find a D&D group online. Mm. And Roll20 was one of the ads. Mm. So I joined Roll20, make my account, and... I join a game that's looking for players and it's free and they are cool with new players and they're doing their own home written campaign. And I make my first character a halfling arcane trickster rogue named Jethro Tull and his charisma and his decks were like practically maxed out. (laughs) So if I couldn't get away with pickpocketing, maybe I could get away with lying. Right. (laughs) And I had a lot of fun with it until, number one, the DM was from Taiwan and all of the other players were from Europe. So I was playing it like Saturday at 7 a.m. Gross. Not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then the DM, he starts getting a little interesting for, and I, to this day, like you could have maybe like talked to me right after it and I would have maybe said something different, but now having a greater understanding and respect for what a DM should do and does do and can do. I just feel like this dude just dropped the ball. He had a very specific story he wanted to tell and everybody else were just pawns in it. It felt like, like, I don't know. One of the guys we were playing with this dude from London, he uh, decided to play a woman and the first tavern we go into, he's getting practically assaulted. It was just like, what are we doing already? Like every time he walks in, every man has to like go for her. Like, what is this? So that was already a weird situation. And then he like pretty much that he introduced an NPC. That NPC ends up turning evil. And that NPC uses a ninth level spell against our fourth level characters. Jeez. And sh- kills them yeah like outright (laughs) kills them yeah because that's what happens all of us were like what was going it and it's it's not one of those situations where the dm is like are you sure you want to open that it just happens yeah and like gives you all the clues it was like no no your character's dead and then the dm got mad at us for not continuing his goal (laughs) it was like nah dog he's dead yeah it's never i'm not gonna go to the druid circle of spores when he's dead i got my own missions like you killed his character what did you expect and then so we like kind of it's really crazy we performed almost like a very gentleman's uh mutiny where we all wrote a letter (laughs) like an email and we were like listen man 
here's what's up. Like, here's where you went wrong. Here's why you rubbed us all the wrong way. Here's how you can improve. And it wasn't like a, we're, you can't be the DM anymore. It was like a, a soft ultimatum. And he right. just didn't want to hear it at all and was just like, fine, if you guys don't want to play, then we don't have to. And it was like, we never said we don't want to play. We're willing to give you a second chance even. Right. But no, no, so no. that was you were, my you, first You game. weren't going to be his pawn. He didn't want you to play anymore. Exactly. So don't be that That guy. was their, um, that was my first <laughs> campaign. <laughs> and, uh, it was interesting to say the least, but I met, I mean, those, the other friends were cool. So then for the next while, until we could figure out what we were going to do for a campaign, each of us ran our own one shots. So I got a lot of experience making new characters and then I got to run a one shot for them and it went really well. And then I had been working on this, uh, campaign where I didn't do a ton of world building. I pretty much just found out that the Forgotten Realms, a.k.a. Faerun, mm-hmm. is an established world in the lore of D&D, uh, pretty, you know, Wizards yeah. of the Coast. And I was like, I'll just snag that. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just borrow Waterdeep and Nesme and the Savage Frontier and all these places I could list off, Yarder, whatever. And... I'll change some names here and there. Like the governor could be a different person or so-and-so could be a different person. I'll come up with a bunch of bad guys. Cause I used to always look at things like Harry Potter and all these different things that have like a main nemesis. And half the time I'm watching, them, I'm like, why the hell does Voldemort do this? Like what a dummy. If I was going to take over the world, this is how I would do it. So then I was like, okay, let me start there. And I start with the villains. I come up with their whole hierarchy And then I just go up from the bottom of the lowest pawns up to the BBEG, the big bad evil guy. And I just go level one. They fight this guy. Level two. They fight this guy. Level three. This four, this all the way up to level 18. Mm -hmm. And then I just started writing. One thing led to another. I wrote a campaign that was 18 levels long (laughs) and we're still playing it. And we're only on level 11. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is the, definitely the longest thing I've ever written and run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm also running another campaign that is, some people are going to hate this, but it's 5e, but it's set in a modern city that also has magic. So there's cell phones as much as there is mage hands. So deal with it. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's, but that's what the I really like about. internet is just about, investigation checks. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I really love about D&D is really, and honestly, you can make whatever you want to have happen in your world happen in your world. And you can make your world however you want to make it. It's all a matter of just words that you say, you know, it's all, exactly. you're all telling a story together. And if you want to tell a story that's set in modern day, uh, wherever, do it. Why not? Just, you know, there's exactly it, it, the only thing that's going to hold you back is your imagination and your willingness to put in some extra work where, you know, the fifth edition rule book kind of drops off. Right. Because, yeah, you're going to come up. You, things are going to come up that you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, I'll tell you what. Every time the, the group I play with gets in trouble and they go, can we text the chief of police on their turn? I'm like. What? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, well, because in, in normal 5e, no one's casting a sending spell yeah. in the middle of combat. So, like, I didn't think about that. But I guess, yeah, you could text. Technically, and then I'm like, yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. 
number one, that chief better have his phone with him. Number two, he's got to have service. Number three, you got to pull your phone out of your pocket, type a text, click send, hope that where you are has service. And so then you start thinking about all the different ways. But it just, yeah, it's extra work. But now I get to play a fun 5e game where no one has to learn any crazy extra rules. Not that there aren't amazing systems out there that could probably do it 10 times better. But it was just easier for our group. Like, we're not doing a live play. We're not broadcasting it on Twitch or anything. It was just a free little game that I'm playing with a group of friends. Let's just have fun. Yeah. You know? Everyone already knew the rules of 5e. Let's just stick it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's the other thing. It's like, you know... Whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, we're going to talk about 5e, but I mean, all the a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about is going to be translatable to a bunch of different tabletop systems. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because I mean, all it, it's really it's all in the world that you're you're making, and the the big thing is you know making sure that everybody at the table is having a good time. That's it. You know, you don't want to you don't want to be pissing people off just to piss people off. 100%. Yeah, it's sometimes you got to do it so you can smack them down a couple notches because they made it too broken of a character. Yeah, a little, That's a whole different thing. A little humble pie every now and then. One thing. <laughs> every now and then it's, it's good, but you can't but, you can't be just making people mad to make people mad. Yeah, because honestly, they could just turn around and do it back when they say things like, nah, actually, we're not going to do that mission. We're just going to sit right. around at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like. No, but the messenger came in with the letter. It's from the king. It has his seal on it. And they're like, I don't care. I burned the letter in front care. of the messenger. Burned the fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, shit. We both went there immediately. Well, where's your plot lead now? I know. And then that's when we'll get into dream sequences and having the players' mm. deities reach down and go, hey, I, uh, I honestly, I really think you should talk to the king. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, And they're yeah, like, yeah. actually, I renounce you, <laughs> and I'm atheist. And you're like, fuck, fuck, the cleric. Oh, no. <laughs> Luckily, that hasn't happened yet. But, um... Yeah, no, I mean, you, you gotta... There's, an, there's a bit of trust involved with your players, you know? And the, the player, as a player, you know, you also want to... You know, you don't want to be that guy that's just going to derail the whole damn thing. Well, maybe you do want to be that guy, mm-hmm. but... You know, should just know that that your DM is very, very angry with you 90% of the time. (laughs) Probably, (laughs) probably, probably. But I guess that should we get into the next like kind of a rundown of D&D at its most core basics? Yeah, let's let we've been talking about D&D. Let's talk about D&D. Like what is it? it. (laughs) I love to describe D&D and I'm not the first person to come up with this. I'll be straight up. But I love to describe it as like collaborative storytelling Mm -hmm. within the boundaries of a rule system. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Definitely. That's my elevator pitch. (laughs) Obviously, I can get into the nitty gritty. But yeah, like, you know, you got a good story's got to have conflict and D&D gives you a way to express that stuff within the rules. Like you can actually, you know, roll to see if something actually does happen. If you're talking to somebody, you can try to schmooze them, roll a dice, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, having the rules helps you tell a better story because, you know, there is the chance that you, as much as you, you 
build your min-maxed bard to have like a mm. 22 freaking charisma, crazy whatever, you could still roll a one. And then all bets are off. Whatever you're, you know, it's... Uh, unless I'm a halfling it, and then I it, get to re-roll my ones. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you get a second one and then you got to stick now with I'm it. Fucked, yeah. <laughs> no, but like, but like, I mean, it kind of adds flavor into the story. Like, it, it makes the story more engaging because you feel like you're kind of in it, you know? Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen. You kind of know what's going to happen, but, you know, it, it's not a guarantee. Exactly. No, that. So it's like you have a table of people, one of which is the dungeon master, everybody else are players. The dungeon master introduces a world, a setting, a scenario, whatever it may be, and describes it for the table. And then the players respond to it and then they go back and forth, uh, either improvising or following along with some sort of idea of what's going to happen next. But it's a lot of give and take. And then the dice come in for certain circumstances known as skill checks usually or also something called saving throws, which we'll get into. But the dice give you the ability to um, push the envelope a little bit, or maybe it gives the opportunity to the DM to sort of leave it up to chance when it comes to certain decisions. Because I think that, like, it's really interesting in the way that, like, you really don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, the, the saying goes that the dice love to tell a story. Yeah. But it's beautiful because, you know, you tell a brand new player and you say something like, yeah, you pretty much. So I'll describe what the tavern looks like and who's in it and whatever. And then you just respond and they're like, okay, so what do I do though? And you're like, oh, you just tell them, tell me what your character wants to do. And you're like, can they do anything? And I'm like, well, kind of. And they're like, what do you mean? And then it's like, well, that's where the dice comes in. Sort of. Right. (laughs) So, like, if you're just randomly like, I'm going to go over behind the bar, steal a keg of ale, and I'm just going to walk out with it. Then it's like, okay, are you trying to be stealthy? Are you trying to be persuasive? Are you trying to just brute force this? And then depending on how they respond, you have them roll the dice. And if they roll high, maybe they do it. If they roll low, maybe they don't. And then there's consequences. Then it bounces back and forth over and over and over again until eventually a story is told, ideally. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously. There are things that can, uh, yeah. And that really leads to like one of my favorite things to say as a DM, you can try, (laughs) you can certainly try, you can certainly attempt it. Absolutely. (laughs) You can give it a shot, but we're going to see what the dice have to say about it. Um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what your job is as a dungeon master. You're there to a, of course, tell the story, but also you've got to be the person who knows the rules and knows like, because there are, you know, depending on what you're trying to do, there's different checks involved and you need to know like, okay, a survival check is for tracking. Whereas if you're trying to do a stealth, like if you're trying to sneak up on somebody, that's a stealth, um, or like sleight of hand for, uh, trying to break into a lock or something like that. Like certain, you got to know these things so you can at least, so you can tell your players, what they should be adding off of their character sheet, basically. So you're kind of there to arbitrate the whole thing and kind of keep the plot moving. Hopefully most of the time it depends. 
<laughs> but you know, for the most yeah. part, your your job as the dungeon master is basically to facilitate the story, however exactly. that may go. Yeah, facilitating is huge. It, it's a lot of like like playing wall ball. It's a lot of like the, the players lobbing you up a question and you. Hopefully now it's not like I don't think that it's super necessary for you to have every single answer at your fingertips or like right at the tip of your tongue. Right. But at least in a way, it obviously makes it much easier. Um, but just having that authority to be able to confidently say, OK, you're trying to do this. Roll this particular skill check or right. ability check. And I guess I mean, uh, Taylor, how much do you want to get into like dice? Like they're the my my favorite shiny math rocks. <laughs> love, yeah, do you want to I describe like the, the different ones? Because I can't tell you how many times I'm talking to a layman and I'll say mm-hmm. something like, Yeah, so then I, I you know my player rolled two D eight and they're like, Okay, what? D eight. <laughs> and um, I'm like, oh, oh boy, an eight sided die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean it's it's kind of daunting in that aspect when, you know, you first get into it, like not know, like knowing what all the dice are, which ones are what and how to recognize them. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really, you know, it, it's it's fairly simple. A D20 is a 20 sided die. A D8 is an eight sided die. Um, the the one you're going to see the most is probably the D20. Um, yeah. That's the big tetrahedron i think it's called um but it's the one it's you, you look on any D podcast you can probably look on our podcast title and you're going to see a d20 um because that's the main dice that you use that's what you use for all your ability checks and stuff like that um i guess the next biggest one is the d12 which that one's got it's 12 sides it's got 12 sides. Yeah. 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 And it's, I'm trying to de- describing dice is surprisingly difficult looking at yeah. it. It's got, so I mean, this has got pentagons all over the 12 side. Yeah. It's 12 <laughs> sides. Yeah. It's 12 sides. I mean, you know, so it goes um, from one to 12, one to 12. Yeah. And then that that's one's, how they all work. So if it's a yeah. D and then fill in the number up next to that, that's how many sides it has. That's how many sides. And that's yeah. the max number you could roll. So a D six is like your normal dice that you play with on like every other board game. Yeah. Right. Like monopoly, monopoly is two D six. So it's just a six sided dice. And then you throw the two in front of it. You play with two six sided dice and so then obviously the lowest you can get is a two or snake eyes, or you can get a 12, which is two sixes. Um, and it just kind of goes like that. So like, like Taylor was saying, most of the time you're going to be rolling the 20 sided dice, which I looked up. It is called an Ico Sagon. I'm definitely mispronouncing that. I, Oh man. Now if I it is a regular polydron made from equilateral triangles, which this certainly is, then it is an icosahedron. Okay. I can't tell if that's I knew it was one of like those <laughs> I knew it was one of those hedron things. Yeah. <laughs> I think you said tetrahedron. That makes I did say tetrahedron. Which I wanna say is like a I don't even so know. I know the twelve sided dice is a dodecahedron. But it doesn't. Anyway, yeah, you look that up. <laughs> um it's so a it's, it's a D four is a tetrahedron. Oh, there you go. Okay. Which are like little pyramid guys. 
Yeah. So super sharp. These are the, not the ones you want to drop on the ground Bro, and step I got, on later. I've got this one set of um, dice. They're kind of done up like um, like sea mines, but they have these oh, like, yeah. jagged points. So like the already pointy D4, I could probably kill somebody with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because a D4 standard is uh, caltrops waiting to happen there, landmines. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always think um, of, uh, every time I look at him, I think of the, uh, I don't, the from uh, Kung Pao, when he's trying to get the things off the dude's chest, and they're all oh these my little God. pyramid things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goodness, great. I haven't seen that movie in forever. They're so sharp and pointy. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> God, um, what a great movie! So yeah, like, so you have as a player, you have all of these skill checks. So that's when you want to do something. There's often going to become a time when the DM will respond with, "Okay, make this type of check." So you roll a d20. You look at your character sheet. Let's say it's athletics. Right next to your athletics, it'll be like plus two. Roll a d20. I'll roll one right now. I got an 8 plus 2. I got a 10. Now the DM is going to compare that to a difficulty class, which is like a number that they have in mind that you're rolling against. Normally, they're going to fall on like the 5s and 10s if you're going really quick about it. I know I personally as a DM try and not do that all the time just to make it a little yeah. bit more interesting. But if for, for ease, uh, DC 5 would DC stands for difficulty class. DC five is very easy. 10 easy, 15 medium, 20 hard, 25 very hard. And a 30 is nearly impossible. So when our friend Allie in our group always rolls 30 plus on every persuasion check to get the shop owner to charge less, it's hard mm-hmm. for me to argue with that. And I right. shouldn't have asked for a role in the first place if I wasn't willing to reward it. But we'll Correct. get into what a DM should do later. But I guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, I think you really cracked the big thing on the uh, on the skill checks. There is you want to pick a skill check that is reasonable for whatever they're trying to do. Like if somebody's trying to pick a lock, say if it's mm-hmm. on, you know, just if it's just a gen- general everyday kind of you know, padlock, something like that, you know, a DC 10 would probably be fine. But if they're trying to like break into a bank vault, that's going to be a 25 or a 30 because right. you know, that you, you definitely want to try to pick something. A lot of the checks that I do generally, um, especially when they're trying to do some kind of shenanigans, I'll put it at a 15. If it's something I don't necessarily want them to do, but I'm willing to let them try. I'll generally put the DC at a 15 mm. because, it's it's pretty hard to beat in 15, but it's still doable. But it's definitely... Yeah. Uh, it, at that point, you're kind of setting the dice up to really determine what, you know, how this is going to play out, which is really what, right. you know, it's one of the fun things about D&D is like, you know, just that air of... It's kind of like gambling, but not really. Yeah. It's gambling with a little bit of preconceived knowledge because it also like it would depend on maybe like the level of the character because mm-hmm. that would affect mm-hmm. their bonuses and their proficiency and all these different numbers that we can get into greater detail about 
at the end of the day, I think like one of my things is, and I will always excuse new players for this. Like if you're not mm. used to D and D, then by all means, I love this approach. But at a certain point, I actually love it when players, instead of saying, well, I'm really, I'm looking at my sheet and I have a really big number next to athletics. How can I use athletics to do this? As opposed to, Hey, I just want to break this door down. I'm not even going to try and pick the lock. I'm going to break it down. What do I do? And then I, I get to say, Oh, that's an athletics check. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like I like going for the storytelling aspect and then filling it in with like, well, the result of that beautiful storytelling moment is these numbers and game mechanics, as opposed to doing it the other way around. That's just me personally. Like, yeah, I kind when of people just yell insight check at me. <laughs> I do insight check. <laughs> insight check. Is he lying? Insight. insight check. And I'm like, how are you checking for an insight check? And then right. they're forced to be like, all right, well, I'm going to read his body language. I want to see what that. And I'm like, all right, cool. You could have said that. Right. But again, that's it's a personal DM. Well, sometimes, style. though, I like sometimes, though, I like getting the uh, the check up front. Like, um, yeah, I'm going to do an athletics check or something like that. And then you roll. And then depending on if they roll well or roll poorly, then you can kind of guide the scene right, into right. that direction based on the roll. OK, like go into the, the breaking the door down. I want to break the door down. Oh, I rolled a two. Uh, well, you ram your shoulder into this door like it's going to break and you bounce off like a bowling pin. <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it definitely has its advantages, which is why, like, I'm kind of OK with it to the, for the most part. I certainly have yeah. my preference, but <laughs> that's the beauty of DMing is that there's not necessarily one way to do it. Right. And there's not one way to be a player. Um, although there are some red flags. Tune in to next week's episode. No, it's probably <laughs> a couple months down the line, but eventually we'll get into red flags. Yeah. Um, so do you want to get into like, what's the difference between a skill check or an ability check and a saving throw? Uh, yeah. So a skill check is something that you are trying to do. I'm trying to pick a lock. I'm trying to jump over this hill, something like that. A saving throw is when something gets done to you and you have to react. So if, yep. say, a dragon blows a fireball at you, you can do a dexterity saving throw to kind of try to jump out of the way. And mm-hmm. most of the saving throws, depending on um, how it's being applied, it's going to tell you what type of skill or what type I almost did it. One type of saving throw you got to do like, um, you know, fire breath is all almost, I would probably err to say always going to be a dexterity saving throw. Whereas like an ice breath would be a constitution saving throw. And so depending on that type of thing, you know, it does change up a little bit, but like on the, on the player's character sheets and stuff like that, all of the saving throws that characters are going to be throwing out is almost always going to be one type of saving throw for the most part. I think I'm, that doesn't sound right actually now that it's coming out of my face because like (laughs) I'm a cleric and I have like four different saving throws. It really, it actually depends on what is being done, honestly. Yeah. like because you have uh, a lot of yeah you mean like when like what saving throws a player yeah. can make the monster roll yeah yeah okay yeah because like I feel like so your character just like spirit guardians is wisdom 
So you have a couple wisdom things. Uh, your lightning stuff is mainly dexterity, but then <clears throat> your thunder stuff is constitution sometimes. Yes. So there's three right off the bat, and that doesn't include because you don't have a ton of intelligence. Saving but uh, throws there, uh, what I was, charisma. I think I've, I realized but, what my brain did. <laughs> so as a spellcaster, all of your uh, your personal difficulty class for your spells is based off of one particular stat depending oh, on yes. what type of spellcaster you are. That's where my brain was. Oh, uh, I understand. Yes, that is true. So, yeah. But that's something we'll get into in later episode. Yeah, in a pretty soon episode, we'll get into the basics of player characters, mm. um, which is everybody who's not the DM or dungeon master. Or I've also heard dungeon keeper, which I thought was fun because it has or, DK or game master. Game master, yeah, that's another big one. That's what a lot of uh, non D and D tabletop games will call their mm-hmm. overlord. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the the game master comes up a lot too. But it's all it all means the same thing. It means you got a bunch of people and you're telling them a story, or you're all telling a story together. Pretty much, and they're all Which, playing. One individual, all the players are playing one individual character, and mm. then you, you as the DM, are playing everybody else. Everybody Bad guys, else. villains, monsters, animals, tavern keepers, uh, the king, dancers, the queen. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter. Like yeah. literally, everybody it's, else is you. Right, right. They have their one thing that they got to focus on, which is you know cool. But at the same time, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. But it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, it certainly can be a lot of fun. I just suggest DMing to everybody, whether you've never done it before and you have never played D&D. Or I also highly recommend it to people who have only been players. I think yeah. that it's so important players for make very to try good DMing. Dungeon Masters. Yeah. Especially yeah. once... Especially, like, once you... There's, like a point where like you graduate as a player where you're like, okay, I got this. <laughs> and you try to, yeah. you're like, and that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's how I got into it. And that's how you got into it. Basically it's just like, yeah, okay, I've played enough. I, I know how this is supposed to go. And then you just kind of tell wing my it. own story. Yeah. Right. I want p- people to live in my own story and see how they react to different scenarios I throw in front of them. And like, it's this beautiful surprise. Cause like sometimes they do exactly what you think they're going to do. And you're like, <laughs> hell yeah. And then other times they're like, actually we're going to do this. And you're like, holy shit. That's awesome. Good for you guys. Actually, and sometimes you're like, break the encounter. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times you you'll go through all this effort to set up a big encounter and they're going to look and your players all look at it and they'll see it in a way that you never even considered. And they're like, okay, well, I see this loophole here and then just completely wreck everything. And (laughs) what was supposed to be a 30, you know, a whole session encounter turns into 30 minutes. Yeah. There's yeah. You'd be surprised. There are times where I go into sessions and this is with like our group for the game that I've DM. Mm -hmm. There are times where I'm like, yeah, cool. You know what? They've never fought this kind of monster before. I think that'll be really fun. And I'll throw it in front of you guys and you guys are like sick. Pass without a trace. Meld into Deleted. stone, fucking in, like, invisible, fly, <laughs> we're gone. And I'm like, they, yeah, hold on, let me just see if they beat your 35 stealth. That's a one. Nope. Nope. Yeah, yeah no, nope. they, they don't chance. see you. 
See ya. And it's hard because it's like, you're like, dang, you guys didn't want to fight them? They had and so like they had loot, but the loot. <laughs> right. And so like you um the the last kind of little bit of it is, you know, the role play. Like, because it's not all combat all the time, right? It's hundred percent. There is yeah. a large session, like the, especially once you get into like the higher levels with a group of people that have been playing like for a while, there will be entire sessions where you might not even pick up a die because you know, yep. there's so much going on story wise, you know, everybody in your party's got their part of the story that they want to tell. Sometimes they'll split up and you've got to, you know, hop around and everybody, you know, you want to make sure that everybody at the table's having, you know, getting involved. And so sometimes that means you spend a lot of time just role playing out scenes with, you know, certain characters because that's what makes sense in the story. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because like as much as like you all realize as <laughs> normally adults that like this is just make believe and it's just a <laughs> silly game and we're having fun. Like the point of this is to have fun and yada, yada, yada. There's a part of all of you and this is I can only speak for our groups, but it almost is like, yeah, but I want the story that we're telling to be good. And therefore, right. it can't naturally just go combat, 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 combat. Because at some point, my character, assuming if like if we pretend like they're a real person, is going to be like, guys, I need a fucking week to just chill. <laughs> yeah, I cannot keep <laughs> like, fighting. We have got to sit down. Why do we keep boss. accepting jobs? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that's the beauty beautiful of it, house. Is, we never go in it. <laughs> right. So like always on the road. It, yeah. There does come a point where, like, you truly inhabit your character. And I know that it gets such a bad rep, this phrase. It's what my character would do. <laughs> I know oh. that. And I fully respect it. Oh. And I usually, nine times out of ten, hate it. But at its because core, it is a good thing. Right? I, yes. am, am I crazy for thinking that? I think that it's a good thing at its core. So at its core, and I think yes, that it, because it, it gets you, used as, a, as an excuse for bad behavior, right. which is bad. Right. It's just it's one of those things. It's just like, you know, you you want your players to become that invested in their character. Like, oh, this is what my character would do. Like, I'm not doing this, obviously, but my character would do something like this. And like when you have like the oath keeper paladin or like the whatever paladin guy, um, <laughs> he's the righteous whatever. And he sees the yeah. rogue stealing, you know, his character probably would say something about that, but right. would that, would that character just turn around and like lop the rogues head off? No. Yeah. Or just attack them? No. I mean, they're, they're still a group. They'd probably have a conversation about it, and that's an awesome, like, uh, awesome way to get players role playing together. But you don't want it to escalate too far, because then that's when everybody stops having fun. A hundred percent, and that's where I think that having players who have DM'd even just for one one shot is super helpful, because I think somebody with DM experience is less likely. And I'm, this is a general statement. I, I haven't Googled this. I haven't seen the research. Just run with me <laughs> I'm on done, this. Right. But yeah. <laughs> I haven't done any <laughs> polling, but here's what I feel. Okay. Um, 
that somebody who has DM experience is less likely to do some crazy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like just be like, oh, the rogue is stealing. I'm lawful good. Dead. Kill them. Because they know that it is going to ruin it for everybody else. It's going to make the DM's life harder it, and all these things. Whereas well, it's somebody like who's in- only been a player sometimes is like. I don't really understand the gravity of what I'm about to do. This is right. just what my player would do. And it's like, oh boy. <laughs> but it's like, it's like working in customer service, man. Anybody, I will sit down and have beers with anybody who's ever worked customer service because I know that they have seen the shit and they're generally going <laughs> to yeah. treat the people around them decent because that's yeah, just kind of what a happens. Great example. It's you're going to that's you then as the dungeon master, you become the customer service employee for your friends. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's it's like when. uh Yeah, no, it, that's a perfect analogy, because now I'm just thinking about people who are like who have used used to be bartenders or used to be servers at restaurants. Uh-huh. And it's just like, yeah, they know what they're it's like. So they tip the well and they treat people yeah. nicely and they're patient and all everything is great. Right. Um. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Perfect analogy. So, yeah, I think D&D is beautiful. It is so much fun. You have all this different stuff that can happen in games, whether it is super intense, dramatic, potentially inner party conflict moments. You can have some games have romance. Some games have just intense combat and like really focusing on that aspect of the game. Some delve deep into dungeons and puzzles and traps and riddles and all that jazz. And every game can be unique and different and have a different tone and a different sort of setting, um, different characters and different ways of being a player and a DM. And I just love it so much. I feel like I've barely scratched the surface and I've only, with one tiny exception, I've only ever played 5e. Like I haven't played any other tabletop role playing games and I still feel like I could run with five E for another thirty years. <laughs> like I Yeah, I, I mean it's a it's a great vehicle for for what it is. For being a, a good way to tell stories together. It's an awesome vehicle for that because everything's so approachable. It's really not that difficult to understand and like get into and get into the like the the nitty gritty stuff. And then, you know, you'll be surprised by some of your players eventually where they're going to come out with some weird stuff and you're going to be like, well, that can't be right. And you look it up in the rule book and <laughs> yeah, they're right. They're a hundred percent. That's is. how that works. Yep. <laughs> and you're going to, you're that's, that's a proud day as a dungeon master. Once you get your players engaged to that point, you're like, okay, <laughs> now we're going to have a really good time. Yeah. You just have a quick morning session for that NPC that you've been really idolizing. And then you get, and then you're proud of that player. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 You well, take this that. guy was supposed to be more of a challenge, but nope. never mind. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's uh, oops. We're going to chalk that up to experience and move on. Yeah. Just like quickly add 50 hit points to this guy. <laughs> yeah. He's actually yeah. not dead. <laughs> And his AC just, just went up by one. So weird. Weird how that <laughs> happened. All, oh this is boy. all totally. And I've definitely done that in encounters before. Like, oh, I accidentally made mm-hmm. this way too easy. Um, let's oh, yeah. go ahead and just. Or vice versa. Yeah. 
or yeah, or vice versa. Yeah, I made this way too hard. Okay, good job. He's dead. <laughs> I know he hasn't looked like it. I haven't said anything yeah. about it being like close to being dead, but you killed him. Hooray. <laughs> Everybody's at like two HP. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I did that in my modern day city campaign on accident. I <laughs> had them, uh, they were meeting up with somebody. It ended up being a trap. This person turns into a weird phantom undead creature. And then it's a, they were at a busted uh, subway system, like an abandoned subway system. I found this beautiful map for on Pinterest. Because again, I don't, this isn't like for sale or anything, so I can use other people's art. That's <laughs> a dungeon master. Steal everything. <laughs> Steal everything. Just kidding. Borrow everything and just put little twists just in have it fun. and have yeah. fun. And I got a soundtrack of the actual New York City MTA playing where it was nice. like next stop blah 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 or whatever right. and so i started playing that and it had the sound of subway trains moving but it, this is like an abandoned stop there's no one here and then i threw in like the actual subways and i had these um ghosts come out of the subways and start attacking the party and then i was looking oh. at the stats of ghosts because i was an idiot and i was like oh wait a minute they're resistant to like every kind of damage yep so they're only taking half damage i totally nixed the possession ability i was like they're not possessing anybody because (laughs) none of them have channel divinity there's no way for them to get the ghost out of them so i was like we're not doing possessions and then i just got rid of the whole resistance thing because i was like no absolutely not they'll just take full damage and they'll have less health (laughs) Yeah. And it yeah, ended yeah, up yeah. working out, but it was like, it got really scary for a moment. Yeah. And again, it's just, you gotta just make sure that everybody's having a good time. If you're, nobody likes getting whomped. Nobody likes getting whomped right. in battle. And unfortunately, a lot of times you're just going to have to suck it up and <laughs> get whomped As every now DM, and then. Yeah. You're yeah. going to have to. Yeah, and it's okay. It's like it yeah. does take it takes practice, and that's what that's going to be like. Probably the most overarching message across almost every single episode is just like it takes practice and time yeah. and patience. Because it's like, trust me, there are times where I sit down and I I map out an encounter, whether it's combat or like exploration or whatever, and the players make such easy work of it that I feel like I have failed and they didn't have as much fun as they could have had. And Mm -hmm. that's me. I'm projecting my own shit because half the time I'm thinking all of these things, you guys are talking about how much fun you had and it's having a blast. Yeah. Everybody's having a blast because sometimes they like doing the whomping and sometimes, yeah. yeah, they want their combats to be a little more harrowing. But sometimes they like coming across as absolute badasses. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> and that's, yeah, and that's part of the story. Like, you know, because eventually, you know, once you get up into the high levels, and we'll get into like all the different like uh, feats and abilities that you get at the high levels, but like some things like you just don't age anymore. You just are alive oh, yeah. forever now. And like, you know, you become these titans. By the end of the story that, you know, you when your characters are growing, it's nice to show them that they are growing 
throw something difficult at them that they can just absolutely fucking slam down. For sure. But yeah, it's a beautiful game and we're going to get into it more and more each and every little tiny aspect of the game from like feats and different things that a player character should know and a DM should know because of a slew of reasons. Right. And then get into a lot of DM specific stuff like world building and different things. Do, do you change your voice and do an accent? Do you not do that? How do you make up for that? Uh, do you use music or maps or miniatures? Like some of the more like hands-on technical aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And then like, what programs do you use? If you play like I, I almost only play virtually. So I right. need things like discord and roll 20 and other programs of that nature. Um, how do you prep for a session? I mean, the list goes on and on of things uh, we can talk about. Preps. Oh, I prep. <laughs> I, pre- I preps. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I preps. <laughs> As a DM, I preps. I'm uh, usually the, the morning of I'm scrambling, trying to figure out how I'm going to make the adventure booklet work into the plot still. But um, that's something we can definitely get into on a later episode. Definitely. I think we've covered the basics. I think that's really the most, yeah, like a shallow look at everything you need to know to at least understand what the game is. And right. A soft view of like what it's going to be expected of you, depending on the role you're going to be playing, whether that's dungeon master or player. Right. So I guess that being said, I will point out that this is a new podcast. We think you should tell your friends and family and cousins and um, strangers about it. Post about it. Scream about us to strangers. I really I think. That's that, I think that's really what should, we should do. I think that should be our advertisement model. Just get our fans to scream our names at people. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Go. We'll go real Scientology with this. <laughs> just act as crazy as possible. If you yep. just scream at people, that'd be great. Just yell. Do so yeah. you want to be a dungeon master? Um, yeah. But or yeah. Just, so, ah! <laughs> just, just yell yeah. at them. Don't even mention us. <laughs> Don't even say anything. Just and then they're gonna. That's gonna how it's going to stick in their head. Like that person just screamed at me on the street for no reason and walked away and they're going to Google people screaming and then boom. So you want to be a dungeon master. Love it. That's how it'll work. It'll start with one scream. It'll end with an ocean of screams. Yes. Um, layer of hell, just a bunch of screams, gnashing, gnashing of teeth. Um, How does one gnash their teeth? I still don't know what gnashing is. And like, honestly, all I think is that it has a silent G and uh, even that could be wrong. That could be wrong. <laughs> it could be ganache. I feel like oh. that's, that's like a food though. Gana- a that's like a, ga- I'm thinking of ganache. ganache, the Hindu God now. Oh, okay. Oh, that's you're a, of yeah, we went, ganache. yeah. 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 I'm thinking of, place. yeah. Yeah, we're <laughs> scattershotting at this point. Let's, ra- let's rain it back. Just tell in. people, tell people about yeah. Ganesh if you want, or you know, talk about chocolate, whatever. Um, I want this Give to us be five stars. <laughs> five stars, yes, please. And um, and we do have an email address, so it's just so you wanna w a n n a so you wanna be a dm at gmail.com. Okay. And that's Wana W A N N A. 
And we're on TikTok. Yes. And that will eventually blow up and be amazing. And it'll show videos of us doing all kinds of things, answering questions, responding to prompts, whatever. Right now, it's just a bunch of memes and it's real funny. (laughs) But that is at So You Want to Be a DM. But I love it. It's a fun title. I, I like it too. It's a good one. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of content coming out. I think that you're going to be able to learn something because no matter how much D&D content is out there, there's always something to learn. Oh, yeah. And that's true for the two of us. I mean, like we can always learn. I'm learning every single session. I can't tell you how many times I have to say the phrase for now. We'll rule it like that. And then I'm going to get back to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> because, that phrase is going to be your best friend. I'm not a fan of spending 30 minutes to look something up. <laughs> Nobody is. In the middle of Nobody game. wants to spend that time. I would rather just be like, yeah, you know what? This makes sense for now, but don't hold me to this forever. Like, we're not going to write this rule in stone, but uh, I'll take a look at it. I'll look at the sage advice and the forums and see if Jeremy Crawford, I don't know, if he sent something out on social media. But other than that, later episodes, we're going to get into conflict and rules resolution in session. All kinds One of the of many, stuff. many things. So again, send us emails, send us questions, send us um, whatever you want to know. If it's questions for us, if it's questions about your game, if you need some conflict resolution, if you're curious about a rule and you want to see how we would have played it, Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to just run by us what your character uh, is, and I'll pitch a voice for them. I'll do it live. <laughs> nice. All right. That's something I just came up with off the top of my head. I'll do that. I like that. If you I like just that. give us, I like... give me a brief overview of your character. Like they're, the games always say race. And I have to be honest, I've started saying species. That's my yeah. own thing. I'm spitballing it. But I, anyway, I don't hate that. I actually I like that. <laughs> Yeah, so um, you can tell me your character's species, class, a little brief backstory, and I'll run a voice for them off top of the dome. I love doing voices. <laughs> that's great, yeah. And that's, you know, we'll get into voices at some point. We'll, we'll have you teach me some voices, because I <laughs> canonically do not do voices very well, or very often. If I do, they're really stupid, silly voices just to make everybody laugh. Yeah. And it's so different when you do voices as a DM and voices as a character, like a player. Because you're like, yo, I have to do this one voice forever. (laughs) Right. Versus like the DM where you have to be like, I have to remember this one Tavern Keeper's (laughs) voice. (laughs) So that when they come back, because I mean, we pointed it out in the game. I changed one of the main character's dad's voice. Like she cast stream yeah. to talk to her dad. And I was like, now your dad's got a little bit of a twang. <laughs> hey, you're my Wider. baby girl. <laughs> I don't think we landed on the moon. <laughs> you kind of had that vibe going. <laughs> That's where we end the episode right there. I don't Beautiful. think we landed on <laughs> Adios, folks. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>